0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: I'm your host, Natalie Pearson, and I'm also curriculum coordinator here at the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre at the University of Sydney. In June and July this year, 2023, over the Australian winter-intensive period, SIAC ran not one but five multidisciplinary field schools to Southeast Asia. Over six weeks, we took 88 students from 16 different disciplines to five different countries. Funded by the new Colombo Plan, these short-term mobility programs are our flagship offering for undergraduate students at the University of Sydney. Over the years, Siac has taken hundreds of students to Southeast Asia to learn about issues that lend themselves to a multidisciplinary approach. We've looked at topics as diverse as urbanisation in Vietnam, Women's Empowerment in Indonesia, and Water in Singapore. We try to make our field schools as multidisciplinary as possible, with at least three different faculties or schools represented on each field school. The Urbanisation Field School, for example, had students from Urban Planning, Medicine, and Development Studies. These field schools have a powerful effect on students. They are challenging, demanding, and intensive They are also immensely rewarding, giving students their first taste of what it is like to do collaborative research and think beyond their discipline. For many students, it is their first time in Southeast Asia. And even for those who have been to the region before, being a student researcher on a multidisciplinary field school is vastly different to visiting as a tourist. Many students continue their engagement with the region through employment, research, or simply through the friendships they made on the field school, both with other University of Sydney students and with local students in country. And there is always at least one student on a field school who has that completely transformational, eye-opening experience, where their goals and priorities shift and something seems to click for them. Suddenly they have clarity about what they want to do and who they want to be. We're immensely proud of them, the field schools and the students. So we thought we'd share some of their brilliance through this special SEAC series on our five most recent field schools and the transformation that occurs when undergraduates are given the opportunity to work across disciplines and across cultures. In today's special field school podcast, we will be talking with students and staff from the field school to Singapore, which was looking at the COVID vaccination rollout in Singapore. This field school was offered to students from pharmacy, geography, international relations and health and medical sciences. I'm joined by my co-leader, Hoike, and two students, Celia and Jerry. Hi everyone. Thank you for joining me. Hi. So I'm Celia Connolly. I just
2: finished a Bachelor of Arts in Philosophy and a Bachelor of Advanced Studies in Politics and International
1: Relations. Lovely. Thank you, Celia.
3: Hello, I'm Jerry, and I study a Bachelor of Commerce in Advanced Studies, majoring in Business Analytics and International Relations.
1: Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for joining us. And lucky last, uh, not a student, but my fellow co-leader
0: Kei. Hi, I'm Hoi K. So I was Natalie's local field school contact in Singapore, and my role was as a co-leader during the field trip. I was a student in National University of Singapore's Department of Geography, where I finished up my master's, and I'm an upcoming PhD candidate, University of British Columbia.
1: Fabulous. It's so good to have you in Sydney for a few days. Okay, it's great that you could join us for the podcast. So I'm going to start with the students. I'd like you to share with us why you applied for this field school and what your expectations were when you first put that application in and got the call back from me.
3: To be honest, I only applied because a friend told me to. A top tip, I guess, to all students is to keep an eye out to all those awesome opportunities that are hard to come by. And given that you're listening to this podcast, you're doing well. Uh, But seriously though, once I found out about the field school, it really became a matter of understanding the practical significance of our learnings within the classroom and applying it to the real world. I very much so imagined myself out and about surveying strangers, and to my delight, that is what exactly had happened, minus the humidity and the heat, of course. But with it also came with meeting so many cool people like my peers, Celia here, uh, field school leaders, Hoike and Natalie, along with all the guest speakers and lecturers we met along the way.
2: So similar to Jerry, I just stumbled across the opportunity in a university email and really, why wouldn't you apply? You get to go overseas, you get to do on the ground, hands-on research, which you rarely get the opportunity to do as an undergrad. You get this basically amazing opportunity and not much is asked for you in return. You have to do a lot of work, but it really just all works to benefit you and your academic journey. And I thought there was no chance at all that I'd get in every single phase of trying out for it and interviewing. I thought, okay, this is probably the last one. And it took me, I couldn't believe that I was actually going until I was physically in Singapore.
1: Well, that's a great story. And Celia, so glad to have you on the field school. You in fact you both made an amazing contribution on the field school and we're very pleased to be talking to you today. And I do like what Jerry said about keeping an eye out on your inbox and actively looking as well for mobility opportunities as part of your university experience. So I want to come to Hoi K now. You've got a lot of experience co-leading field schools in other parts of the world, including in Africa, for example. So what was it like to run a field school in your hometown of Singapore?
0: I thought it was a very interesting experience to run a field school in Singapore. I think for one, the familiarity really helped with it. I was able to use my local contacts to contact other people to bring in different perspectives that might be useful for the students. So for instance, we managed to contact Kampong Kaki, which is a local underground organisation that serves to connect isolated elderly seniors with volunteers so that they wouldn't feel as isolated or as lonely during the pandemic. And this continued on after the pandemic as well. So our students got to hear from them, which I thought was a very great experience. I think it also opened up their eyes to what happens on the ground because often when people think of Singapore, it's this rich global city. So that sort of adds to perspective of what actually happens with more vulnerable people in Singapore. I thought, secondly, it was also very interesting for... To see the students adapt in a country that's not theirs and in a country that's mine, because I'm always used to the different cultures, for example, in Hawker centers or on MRT trains. So having students come and sort of guiding them through uh, local cultures and seeing them adapt slowly and by the end of two weeks, almost becoming more Singaporean than me, that was very funny and very interesting to see as well. One of the things I
1: loved about working with you, Hoike, was you do come from a geography background, and were often tasked with guiding us around Singapore. How did how did that go? <laughs>
0: Well, honestly, I didn't think I did a very good job of that. <laughs> I guess you wouldn't know of my navigation skews by now. So I like to call it the scenic route. So every time we took a wrong turn, I would explain, you know, it's because I wanted you to see a certain sight or an attraction along the way. And I think the students enjoyed it, right? It brought a bit of exercise. For them as well.
1: One of the great things about doing field schools in Singapore is how available and accessible public transport is. And I think it provided a lot of opportunities, yes, for seeing the scenic route, but also for having informal conversations with students as we were traveling between places
0: yes I think during the transportation routes that was actually the place where I got to bond with many students and hear about their own journeys their own stories and sometimes dish out some advice you know from the perspective of a slightly older student because I was still a master's student so I think on the train or on the buses, it was the journey that allowed me to bond most with the students and also hear about their own stories and sometimes dish out personal advice as well. Sometimes I would see students sort of breaking away from their own groups and trying to mingle with other people from other disciplinary backgrounds or other project groups. And I think this really built a very cohesive field experience for everyone and added on to the overall experience of the field trip, even for myself and I'm sure for you as well. Natalie?
1: Yeah, it's one of the things I like most about the field schools is that I don't do any formal lecturing. It's all informal conversations in small groups or one on one. And that is my preferred teaching model, actually, I've discovered. So uh, thank you for sharing a little bit about the scenic route and the opportunities that it gave rise to. It is worth mentioning that National University of Singapore and University of Sydney are strategic partners, but that's not how I found you. I found you through the amazing networks through the Sydney Southeast Asia Centre, but it was wonderful to work with some someone from NUS. So worth mentioning that. Now, one of the things about Singapore in addition to having great public transport is we don't do language training on the Singapore field schools because English is so widely spoken and so accessible for our University of Sydney students. But nevertheless, there can be language and also cultural differences when working in Singapore. So I wanted to come back to the students now and ask you to share with us your experiences working across cultures on this field school.
2: So With Singapore, I found that a lot of the stuff we were told about Singapore as a country and cultures within Singapore was really over-exaggerated and then stuff that I felt would actually be really important for someone visiting Singapore wasn't described at all. Like just before we left, I had heard from a lot of people that – Jaywalking is not a thing in Singapore, people just don't do it and you absolutely need to keep an eye out. I'm not encouraging anyone to jaywalk, but it is absolutely a thing in Singapore. People just don't do it when there are police watching them. (laughs) Also relating back to the transport element, one thing that I was surprised about that no one told me before I went to Singapore was that you cannot eat and you cannot drink on public transportation you cannot have a sip of water on the train. It's very serious. You will get a fine. And so I think probably the lesson from there is listening to people from Singapore and that have been Singapore when you're out of country is important, but expect to have your expectations changed once you're there.
1: Let me ask you this, Jerry. You mentioned earlier that Your dream when applying for the field school was this vision you had of yourself interviewing strangers, which you managed to make happen. So, can you tell us a little bit about your experiences collecting data in the field and the survey that you undertook as part of your research project?
3: Yeah, so much of I guess like what I've learned about surveying and research projects have always been, I guess, on the theoretical side. So, for example most recently for a project for a consulting society. The whole entire, I suppose, focus of the group was essentially finding how could we best engage students as a provider of education for that organization. And one of the ways was, of course, designing the survey in a way that could seek meaningful feedback from students, but also be able to be implemented with the students to be better engaged with the resources that they were providing them. And what I saw on the field school in Singapore was that we would we could directly take these cues from the learnings I had on the project. So for example, that would be ensuring designing the survey so that there were an even number of options so that there was no middle or neutral scale to the responses. So that ensured that all of our responses were in a way meaningful and could be used to determine for example if people in community clubs were comfortable with a particular community club for the vaccination process and all of those things sort of all culminated together in a way interviewing those people uh, that we met at the community club sort of came down to how could we best take one aspect of what they've said And be able to analyze and identify aspects that we could draw and take conclusions into our research question and of course our research question Celia and I were in the same group our question was how community clubs sort of influenced the COVID-19 vaccination rollout in Singapore so overall I found that pretty interesting like really trying to tie together our learnings from within the classroom and different projects across university and actually being able to do it out and about on the field which was Totally incredible.
1: Wonderful. In addition to working across cultures, you also had the opportunity to work across disciplines. Now, both of you have government and international relations backgrounds, with other majors and minors thrown into the mix. But you had other people in your research group from quite different disciplines. Can you tell us about your experience working in your small group and what you learned about the other disciplines represented in your group and also what you learned about your own discipline as a result of that group work project?
2: Well, yeah, Jerry and I actually have pretty similar disciplines. We share one major and then we have one major that's different. But even between us, I felt like there was a big interdisciplinary difference the main thing that we noticed in our group, we had a student from pharmacy and another from pharmacology, was research methods, was the main thing that set us apart. Sometimes that was a point of conflict on the best way to approach things, but most of the time it was an opportunity to teach each other skills that we could use in future projects. And I sort of noticed when we were planning our research that a lot of the ideas I was suggesting were from previous interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary projects where I've been taught different things by different people. And I think it's just a really good collaboration that I've come out the other end knowing how to do all these new types of research that I never would have even known existed beforehand.
1: One of the striking things about your research project was how geographically minded it was, despite yours being the only group without an actual geographer in it. Maybe Jerry could tell us a little bit about the spatial aspects of your focus on community centres.
3: I do note that with the disciplinary backgrounds, they all tend to bleed into each other in a way. So it's kind of, I guess, throughout the process, it was more about learning about how The project itself could be wholly and fairly understood as if like we were all painting something on this really blank, giant canvas. And it's not just, I guess, a task that everyone can complete in a timely manner. And by bringing everybody in, we have fresh ideas, fresh perspectives. They're all drawn in. But in the process, it also renews your understanding of how the overall artwork is drawn. And in this case, for us, it was like the geographical perspective, which was essentially how with the health background and international relations background, I guess it's not necessarily involved in the physical element of community centres itself and how individuals sort of disperse and also come back together and reunite in these places, especially in times of need, in this case, which was the COVID-19 vaccination rollout. And I think that was really interesting because what I felt that I did understand was about the physical geography aspect of or arranging the logistics of the COVID-19 vaccination hubs, but at the same time, also the diplomatic relations between countries in seeking those vaccinations themselves, and also, I guess, the health aspect, for example, mRNA, and also the uh, dead virus versions of the vaccines. So I guess like that all ties together, and it really, I guess, shone light onto international relations perspective is just one aspect of the whole I guess, painting metaphor I'm using. And at the end, it really sort of shown through like the geographical aspect does come through in the end, through our work. And I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Hoike, could you comment on what you observed in terms of how the disciplines work together on this multidisciplinary field school?
0: Yes. So I agree with much of what Celia and Jerry have said as well. And I think that bringing together people from different interdisciplinary backgrounds, while sometimes might be opportunities for tension, there were greater opportunities to learn from each other. And I think this is very important because it is a reflection of what goes on in everyday working life. When these students graduate eventually, they would have to go on, face real-world problems, and there'll be people with different agendas coming in to tackle a problem. So what I found very helpful for the students was that over time, they had to learn to compromise They had to learn to set realistic expectations. Everyone went in with their own agenda, but eventually this sort of changed and moved along the way to something more cohesive. And I think everyone was happy towards the end and it took some time to guide everyone through this process. I think you did a great job in that, Natalie. Oh, thank you. I can't take the credit for that. I mean, really,
1: it does come down to the students and the collaboration and and the challenges that they worked through over the two weeks getting to know each other, getting to know the topic and being willing and open to learning from each other. And I mean, maybe that's a good segue to ask Celia and Jerry about the challenges that they experienced on the field school and how they overcame them.
3: So Celia and I did have a team member who was missing in action and that I guess was probably the biggest challenge. I guess like first of all, like uh, them promising that they'd come to the hotel daily and then also promising me personally about my programming endeavors for the project. I suppose these things do happen, but at the same time, uh, trust yourself in your own ability and do remember that you do have a network of people that you can lean on to support you. And I guess, yeah, Celia um, and the rest of the team, they were all here to help me out and sort of support my endeavours in getting the programming aspect of the project out there. And I guess that was, in the end, a success.
2: So our missing team member was obviously a big problem for us, but because we actually managed to develop a good communication style as a team, at least in my opinion, we were able to renegotiate what the roles were, what the scope of our project was, what specific components needed a bigger or smaller role in the total project. And so we managed to get through it, but there was still always some uncertainty on whether the member would end up contributing later or not. And we just had to make a firm decision that we're doing this project without him. And we're just using the disciplinary perspectives of the people that are here because you can't use the disciplinary perspective of someone whose discipline you don't know anything about and who isn't there. But other than that, I think the main problem that I saw a lot of teams face was just pure exhaustion. It is a really... Tight deadline. It's two weeks to come up with a research idea, litigate and negotiate it with your team members, actually do the research, synthesize the research, and present the research. It is an insane timeline while you're still also trying to enjoy being in a foreign country and having this experience of a lifetime. So, advice for anyone going on the field school in
1: the future make sure you rest. Rest whenever you can, rest at any cost. But you'll have fun. Rest early, rest often. And if I may, Celia did take advantage of some of the public transport to to catch a little...
2: shut eye from time to time. Yes. That's my best travel tip. Designate someone to watch you fall asleep on every bus, every train, have them tap you and you get off. I managed to not get lost once. Thankfully, everyone looked out for me.
1: <laughs> but you also drew attention to an important point there where you talked about having to go ahead with the decision to go ahead with your project in the absence of this team member who wasn't a University of Sydney student, I should add. And I think that, you know, highlights the need to work with the resources that you have. And resourcing is something that all researchers face on their projects, whether it's having not enough time, not enough enumerators, never enough money, but you were facing this issue of not enough disciplinary perspectives, so you had to work with that. So I think that's really worth drawing attention to. A couple of final questions. The graduate competencies here at University of Sydney are all about having an integrated personal and professional identity. What did you gain from participating in this field school, be it personally or professionally?
2: At least to me, I feel like I've gotten a network of absolutely brilliant young people at the University of Sydney. My peers all tackled this project fantastically. I couldn't believe what they put together in two weeks. So having a connection with this network is absolutely more valuable than I can say. And then also with the field school leaders, with the School of Southeast Asia in general, basically... I managed to go on a trip that I didn't anticipate I'd be able to go overseas this young by myself and be autonomous. I didn't anticipate that I'd be able to do my own research in the field by myself at this age. And it was just an absolutely fantastic way to end my degrees. It was definitely the highlight.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's also definitely my highlight of my university studies, but except I'm still in my second year. So have still got a long way to go. And I don't know if anything will actually top this field school. It really has helped me understand what we learn can be really applied into the real world. I think that's what I find most valuable from the trip itself. And I guess I really can't stress how important it is, how it is to learn in a practical sense. For example, we were I guess brief down on the processes of how the location and geographical I guess like aspect of the hospital was transformed during the pandemic to cater for the vaccinations itself and also incoming patients in the emergency departments for example and I think also at the same time for me personally the visit to the Australian High Commission sort of left a mark on me because diplomacy has sort of been something that I'm quite passionate about especially with a volunteering background in Timor-Leste and now I guess that's just something I'm really gearing towards for a career and yeah so thanks to Natalie for giving this valuable opportunity.
0: Okay I think I had two main takeaways from this field trip so first of all is how to learn to be adaptable and this field trip really pushed me out of my comfort zone because I'm a physical geographer by nature And this field trip has to do with COVID-19 vaccination rollout in Singapore. So as you can tell, it is quite different from my usual comfort zone and what I'm familiar with. So it took some time to be able to adapt to the lectures as well as the information disseminated with the students and to be able to familiarize myself in the literature enough to have conversations with them as well as provide project guidance. So that took a bit of learning. And I think over the two weeks, it was quite a good a learning opportunity for me personally and professionally. I think secondly, I was also inspired by the University of Sydney students. Many of them were very inquisitive, curious learners, and I really respected that. I think they also pushed me to think a bit more, to question a bit more as well. And that's something I remain inspired by, even after the end of the field trip. Wonderful. I feel like regardless of what
1: topic a field school takes, it's always such an interesting way to learn more about a country. So we might have been there to learn about the COVID vaccination rollout, but we also learned about all the other issues in Singapore relating to, for example, inequality, normative structures of care. That was a really interesting insight on one of our field visits. So it was great to have you on the field school as someone who is, you know, a local Singaporean expert, but also learning alongside us at the same time. Okay, let's wrap up. Um, I'm going to ask you to share one piece of advice that you'd give to someone about to embark on a mobility experience.
3: I guess I have a really short piece of advice for someone about to embark on a mobility experience. I suppose, of course, we'll be working in a group setting. So remember we draw strength from our differences, from different backgrounds, different perspectives, and we're all here to collaborate and also debate. And I guess the most important thing, of course, is to always stay curious.
2: Yeah, similar to Jerry, you just need to be open to the multidisciplinary nature of the field school. I think that you also need to remember, while you have to be open to other people's ideas, only you can advocate for your discipline, because you're going to be put in a setting where you're probably going to be the only person from your disciplinary background. No one else has your disciplinary interests or insights on the agenda. You have to make sure to speak up and to make sure that your perspective is included, even if that's just a novel way of researching or a cool piece of literature. You have to be your own advocate.
1: I love it. And I loved watching you all learn about other disciplines and also gain a better understanding of your your own discipline as part of that process. Thank you both. Thank you, Celia and Jerry. I'm going to give the last word to Hoikei. Ask her to give us one piece of advice for someone about to embark on a mobility experience, very appropriate as she herself is about to embark on a mobility experience for her PhD candidature in Vancouver. Over to you,
0: Kei. I think just to add on to Celia and Jerry's advice about being open-minded and staying curious and inquisitive, it is also important to commit yourself to this field trip. A lot of resources and planning goes into making this possible for our students. So if you do sign up, make sure to fully immerse yourself in this learning journey and be a responsible team member. But also don't forget to, you know, take rest and enjoy yourself because this is such a rare opportunity to immerse yourself into another culture and to really learn from people overseas. If you're thinking about it, just sign up, just do it. What a wonderful point on which to end.
1: I would like to thank all three of you for joining me on the podcast and all three of you for making such a valuable contribution to the field school. Thank you so much.